Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm not going to, so quit asking. Time now for... Because if it was up to you, we're, we're, we're six foot under already. We're dead and buried and gone. Gone. Overreaction Monday! You all don't remember the Georgia Southern game, do you? I don't think we had a guy on that field that didn't play in the NFL, and about four or five of them were first-round draft picks. And I think that team won a national championship, but I'm not sure. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. Could not stop them. I don't even know what you asked me, but I just wanted to say that. And here's Dan. Hi, welcome to the pod. A uh, eventful and wild day of college football on Saturday. Plenty to overreact to, I guess. It kind of a somber day, though, uh, because of the injury to uh, to a. And I hate to say that because there's a lot of injuries every single week of kids who get careers end. They've got lengthy rehabs. They've got, you know, they're going to deal with injuries that last for the rest of their career. And we kind of then all of a sudden just go, yeah, but that's just some lineman that I didn't know. Well, this guy's a star, so it, it's bigger. But that's kind of the way the, the world works. So obviously this was the big play. Gone for the season with this dislocated hip injury late in the first half against Mississippi State. He gets tackled while trying to run a two-minute drill to you know continue to run up the score, which I, I, I thought was coming. I literally picked Alabama minus 20 is my lock of the week because I was like Alabama is going to run up the score because they have to and here they were doing that because that was their way back into the the, the, uh, playoff race so let's start with this and I don't know what you guys think of it certainly this immediate discussion of why was he in the game did Saban put his player who who was dealing with an ankle uh, at at undue risk you know all, all of the bit what did you think of the decision start with you Pat to have Tua in the game at that point should he have been sad in this does Saban have something to answer for here or not? I think the decision on whether he should have been in the game was should have been made before the game. Should he have played at all? If he's going to play, I don't have a problem with him being in the game at that point. You know, it's pretty common for teams to leave starters in for a half in games that they're winning handily. You know, he said he wanted him to get some practice at the two-minute drill, and while people are like, Tua doesn't need any practice, well, it was the, kind of the one-minute drill that he screwed up and threw the interception last week against LSU. So they maybe wanted him to have a better feeling about that. But I think the question really is, you know, should he have played at all? And, you know, if he wanted to play and they thought he was okay in practice, okay, I guess you play him. And I think that probably goes to what you're saying, Dan, that they feel like they need to look good 
these last three games to have a chance to make the playoffs. So, yeah, you want your best players out there. Horrible injury. Really uh, just depressing to me because I, he's been my favorite player to watch probably in college football the last couple of years. Just, you know, really an artist throwing the ball and moving around the pocket and just uh, a, a very fun guy and a nice guy to be around. So it's uh, it's a bummer if he's if he's done and I'm concerned about his NFL future. We can get into that. But, uh, you know, but the, as for him being in the game, I, I'm OK with it at that point. Yeah, I hate to I hate to parrot Pat, but I, I, I feel I, I feel in the same way of like that specific possession. And Nick Saban has been very consistent with this. If you follow his career, he doesn't make decisions. Essentially, he said everything. I don't make decisions hoping guys aren't going to get hurt like thinking they may get hurt or they may not get hurt. It's not a, it's not a guiding principle. If guys are healthy, he's going to play him to play to win the game. He's always done it that way. There was a little bit of, you know, even look at like last week against Maryland, Ryan Day had Justin Fields in before the end of the half. Like this isn't, I think it's very common in these blowout situations to have your starters play the half and then just go. Like that's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a league game. I do, I do actually see like Pat had said some, some merit and some value in, 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 in getting experience in a two minute drill. You can't mimic that in practice in the same effective way you can in game situations, clock situations, just getting to the line fast, running plays, you know, against the clock. I, I do feel like there's some value in that, but yeah, my, my prevailing emotion is, is just sadness as well. You obviously are worried most about his long-term future. Hips are scary. The, the sense that Alabama gave yesterday releasing a statement was that he's expected to recover, I believe, was the phrase from their orthopedic surgeon or make a full recovery. And that's that's just the best news you know possible. The people who are really going to determine his short term recovery are the NFL franchises who are going to be studying his medicals. Um when I went and did that draft dive with the Dolphins, one of the things I learned, it wasn't privy to all of, but just got a sense of was like how much reading medical x-rays, et cetera, is a part of the draft process. And it's obviously a very smart part of the draft process. It's a huge part of the draft process, to be honest. Dissecting and analyzing, you know, how healthy a guy is going to be is going to be a, a huge part. The as much as the hip itself will be an issue, there's also two now a collective injury knock on to uh, because he's had the two ankles. He had a knee last year that that was bugging him. And now this and he's going to have to overcome a reputation of being uh, being frail, quite frankly. But I'm sure there's people who can foster some faw anger for for him being in on that specific possession, you know, right there at the end of the it's in the second quarter. It appeared like Tua wanted to be in, by the way, if you, if you watch the game, he appeared to kind of try to try himself in for, for for one more possession. But just the prevailing and overriding feeling is just uh, is just sad. It's a bad situation. Obviously, yeah, I wrote a sort of appreciation of his career. He he'll, he'll be the first knock on wood, first round quarterback that Saban's had at Alabama. He really turned that position, which had just been sort of for functional guys into this glamour position. The numbers are spectacular and ridiculous. I mean, he really only, for only being in college football, essentially for less than two calendar years, right? He comes in January of 2018, wins the title, and then ends up, I believe, going 22-2 and two as a starter, over that time, just had a profound impact on that program, which is obviously an iconic program in, in, the, in the whole sport, uh, comported himself with class and grace the whole way. Just really, uh, you know, I really enjoyed the Tua era to echo Pat. I think there's like two angles on this of the criticism of Saban. So one is in the spirit of the team, you want to protect your best assets. 
And so you sit there and say, hey, I'm not going to have two a return punts, right? Or like, you know, I mean, there's certain things you just sit there and do and go, that's stupid. He might get hurt. That would affect the team. The criticism I didn't like of Saban was this idea like he doesn't care about the players or, you know, he's just out there throwing his guys out there, does this kind of idea that he's just just Cro-Magnum football coach, which he, he pretty much is, but I don't think it really applies here. First of all, every single play of every single game, you have 11 guys in the field, and that means there are 11 opportunities for one of your quote-unquote kids to get hurt. And if you're a coach, you shouldn't care any less about the star quarterback getting hurt or the special teams player getting hurt. So it's sort of like this idea where it's like, well, they should have put uh, Mac Jones in early. Well, what if Mac gets hurt? If you're the caring adult, you're just as devastated that, Mac Jones gets hurt as you are Tua gets hurt. Now it may not be as effect a big of effect on your actual team. So I think there's like two parallel tracks there. You could potentially criticize Saban and say, Hey, look, man, you're up 35, seven, get him out of there. You know, he said, we told, this is his quote. We told Mac to warm up. We're going to go two minute for the half Tua wanted to play. I don't really make a lot of decisions worried about guys getting hurt. So you could say that, but I think to criticize them like this, I, I think, again, to go back to the beginning, we've overvalued the injury and the sadness of, oh, this guy's draft status is hurt because this is what's front and center. I don't blame the public or, or the media. This is, I mean, this is what we do. But if you're the actual coach, every single injury, you feel bad for that player, their family, their, you know, just everything that goes into it. So what happens to him? In the, I mean, this will be the, the draft talk. Oh, my God. ESPN. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the hip, the hip, the hip. I mean, hes it's a huge risk to take him, though. You don't know. And a hip, you lose a little bit of speed, and everything changes in the NFL. Yeah. You can't be 95% and feel as confident as the guy's 100%. So that'll be very interesting, but that'll also be overplayed to death. They keep moving the oh, draft yeah. to, like, May, yeah. like, longer. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. If you're, it's a hip, be... if you're a hip expert, get your, uh, get your makeup ready. <laughs> oh, exactly. Jesus. ESPN uh, needs you. Yeah, yeah, Todd yeah. McShay is, you know, going on the hip. Uh, the, the Broncos don't like the hip. You know, it's like, okay. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing, too, is uh, especially nowadays, you see more and more emphasis on on core strength and torque and being able to twist your your body to, to get velocity on throws. You know, I'm not a medical expert, so I'm not going to tell you whether the the hip is as important as the obliques or whatever. But all that stuff matters. And, you know, it is going to be just dissected to death one thing i do Pat, want to are you point saying out, that hips hips don't lie is that what you're saying <laughs> that's what i'm saying yes that's okay. it <laughs> in more words in too many words yeah dr right, 40 Shakira. sources hip don't hips don't lie <laughs> <laughs> but no i did want to say point out if this is it for tua he will be the most efficient quarterback in college football history his career efficiency rating i think is 199 which would be way higher than anybody else's career rating his single season rating this year, if it holds up, and I don't know whether he's going to end up playing enough games to be eligible, but they would break his own record from last year. But Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow may also break that record too. But that's how good he's been. Most efficient quarterback we've ever seen. All right, here's the other thing on this and goes more to the football. Uh, immediately people are like, well, that's it for Alabama in the playoff. Okay, why? They, they, they handled the Bulldogs 38-7. They're at Auburn two Saturdays in the big weekend. Maybe we don't value the Auburn potential victory because Georgia just did it, but 
they can still end up 11 and one with their only loss to LSU, presumably number one. If, if obviously they would need LSU to win, some things still have to happen. But are they really done? Or does the committee, which again has been completely inconsistent on this, do they sit there and say, well, you lost your starting quarterback? We no longer give you count for the wins, which I don't think should ever be the case. We've also seen, of course, in the great Ohio State year where they got extra points because two <laughs> quarterbacks got hurt. So, like, what is it? Like, do you get extra points if Mac Jones absolutely crushes it the next two weeks? Or do you get less points? Like, what, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to explain the committee to somebody the other day. Uh, it's like, I, they, they got a lot of things. You just sort of, you know, it's like, I don't know. Uh, so is Bama really done or does Bama still have some kind of path here, albeit needing uh, some help, especially LSU trucking Georgia? You both are not a huge fan of these Tuesday, like thought outrage rankings, gab fests, talking circle deals. I will say I have significant intrigue to where Alabama comes this week, because if the committee wants a Tua out, they can give it to themselves this week. Where Alabama gets ranked on Tuesday is going to be significant in terms of whether they have a path to the playoff or not. Because there, there's an argument. Utah played great, obviously, on Saturday night against UCLA. Oregon did what it should have against Arizona. And Alabama obviously played well, but, you know, sort of froze as a program for a half after Tua's injury against Mississippi State again. That was with backups in and whatever. But Essentially, the built-in Tua excuse is here. There's a wide-open avenue if they want to slide those two other one-loss teams above them right now. And look, you could even make a case for uh, a case for Penn State at this point to slide into to sl- in, in Oklahoma. Really, Oklahoma had a great one this week. So, is Alabama poised for a fall? Is is the question? And can they beat Auburn without two? Is a very legitimate question. That's a difficult game with two going in, playing in the Iron Bowl on the road, all that stuff. Although Auburn's offense just looks dreadful right now. That game takes on a, a different a different tenor. But I, I think we'll get all the clues we need on Tuesday night. Pat, should it matter? How about this? Should it matter whether a guy's hurt or not? Yes, eventually. I don't think it should matter this week. I think we got to see what Alabama looks like without him and then decide where Alabama should be. I want to see, you know, if they move them significantly this week, I think it's premature. I think you're basing it on a prediction of how Alabama will look with Mac Jones. I mean, I guess you can go back and look at the one and a half games Mac Jones has played and decide whether Alabama was better then or not. But to me, the the committee shouldn't really, I think, react to this until – They've seen what Alabama looks like without Tua and then go from there. So if they were number five last week, I'm not sure they should be significantly different this week. They got, I think they got some help from Iowa and Oklahoma by beating the undefeated teams. They really would have been served by Auburn beating Georgia. That would have helped them a lot. Auburn is a good team that's playing like the hardest schedule in history. I mean, it's a ridiculous schedule. They're going to end up with like four or five losses and, and be pretty a pretty good team. But yeah, the Pac-12 teams and Oklahoma, those are the ones I think if you're Alabama, you're looking around and saying, okay, how are we going to be stacked up against them? But I, I like, like I said, I would wait and see what Alabama is like with Mac Jones before I would declare they're good enough or they're not good enough. Yeah, I think it would be totally unfair. Uh, to me, I just this is why I don't like the, and I understand you have to have a subjective nature. We've got 130 teams, four spots. I mean, it's just no automatic bids. But it's sort of like if you win the game by hook or by crook, you win the game. 
Like, right. I'm just sort of go with that. Like, you know, it's like the NBA finals last year. Like, you know, guys are dropping like Durant's out and the, the Golden State keeps winning. It extend the series. You don't just sit there and go series is over. Like, you know, it's like, well, right. you got to see, you know, beat them. And then right. Clay goes, all right, now we're done. But it, it they kept extending it. And it's like, yeah, the heart, you know, someone else steps up, whatever. It's this is this is sports to just. But you also don't get too much credit because your guy gets hurt. So shouldn't right. factor. Let's point this out. Backup quarterbacks have been okay for Alabama. Tua was a backup. Jalen Hurts was a backup. They won yeah. huge games with him. How about this? If you said Jalen Hurts is out in the, in the halftime, we're going to take Jalen Hurts. Let's say he rolled his Game ankle. Mm. Oh, game's over. Let's not even play it. <laughs> well, we got a guy better, or maybe. Yeah. So, I, 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 don't, I don't like all, any of that, that whole bit. And they don't recruit bad players to <laughs> Alabama. Like, it's always this, well, the second or third stringer, he's not just some knobby-kneed kid who just kind of wandered on the field. Like, this guy was a <laughs> star. He's probably the player of the year in his state. Like, they don't. You don't just get an Alabama offer. Like, we don't need our backups to be good. Like, no, that's not how it works. They're all good. He, you know, we'll see. Is Mac Jones that good? I haven't seen that. But we'll let's give him a shot. So I think there's still some drama in that Auburn game. And I agree with Pat. I've been saying all year, Auburn's going to be the best four-loss team we ever saw. Speaking of loss number three, Georgia goes down the plains, beats them, holds on 21-14, Georgia, third straight trip to the SEC title game in Atlanta. LSU just needs to beat Arkansas next Saturday to uh, join them. I thought it was an, imp- you know, Auburn rallied late, but I thought it was a very impressive, physical, tough performance by Georgia. I did watch a bunch of this game to win that. Uh, Pete, what what are your thoughts on uh, on where Georgia's sitting? I think they made the committee look smart to put them four. I don't see them moving out of that spot at this point. Maybe they even move up to three. I don't know. Well, Clemson crushed whatever dead body they were playing this week. <laughs> hey, let me say this about Clemson real quick. I've watched like 11 minutes of George, of Clemson football the whole year. I haven't paid any, like this is they're having this season. I don't even know any of the players on the team practically. I've literally watched, I watched a little bit of the Texas A&M game. And then every time I click over, like I saw they were on the TV Oh, check. They're playing Wake yesterday. Game's out of hand. Boom. I don't even check again. Like, how much Clemson have you even watched? They could have replaced Trevor Lawrence with the actor that played Sunshine on on, on uh, Remember the Titans. I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen them off and on some. I watched, well, I, I covered a game that they played against Louisville, and I, I watched a lot of their game against North Carolina. I've seen some bits other ways. I watched a lot of the A&M game, but I get the feeling Clemson's really, really good. They just have not been challenged. They, they, yeah. They've They've done what they do. They play one really shaky game. They've lost it the last couple of years. This year, they didn't lose North Carolina, and then they just jack stomp everybody. And they, I mean, they've scored, I think, 45 points every game since then. They're killing people. I, I would say this, and Scott Satterfield actually said this. I was in his office a couple of weeks ago. He said, I guarantee you this, nobody's going to want to play them when the, when the playoff comes. Uh, no one's doubting they're good. It's just like this yeah. anonymous season that just sort of, is, they're just yeah. over there playing. Yeah. I, of course they're good, but anonymous brilliance. Like you don't yeah. see like juggernauts just go like quietly, but that's right. It's a good, it's a good point, Dan. Like it's, and I haven't watched a ton of, uh, a ton of Clemson. I've intended to, but like it just, it just hasn't. Out. Yeah. It just hasn't. Yeah. yeah. By the time they're up 21 to three on week forest, I'm done watching the afternoon games and I'm like, wait, Oh, it's over. Yeah. yeah, no, no big deal. I did think it was interesting. I saw Dabo this week in a radio interview say that this year's Clemson team is better than last year's, which to me was like a little bit of like, 
hey, don't forget about us. Yeah, little right. old Clemson. We're, we're still really good. I love like, I, I do. Because last year's Clemson team was pretty good. All yeah. right. So back to Georgia because I hijacked my own topic. Yeah. Yeah. Good, <laughs> good work. Good. You wonder why I don't have a better better hosting gig than this. This Godforsaken. Yeah, why you got to hang around with us? Yeah. If I only got out of my own way, I could upgrade from Thamel and Forty. Yeah, right. We just went along with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever, Jack. Yeah, Georgia was Georgia was good. You know, like it was a it was kind of a I don't know a little bit of a slog game. I was uh, I was joking on Saturday. It's that kind of SEC game where like. It gets dark up here in the Northeast, and you just want to take a nap in the third quarter. You know, punt, punt, field position, and then yeah, they're down twenty-one nothing. Then Auburn kind of makes like a, a a token charge back into back into the game. I felt like watching that game. My takeaway was like Auburn's offense is just so antiquated. Like I just I felt like there were like multiple possessions where I was like, God, they don't have a chance. You know, and I, and I'm wondering how much how much Bo Nix is involved. Now, all that said, Auburn had a chance on that drive, and it. Bonix threw it behind the guy's bicep hole, which is a very hard place to catch a ball if you think about it. Like, but that was it was it was the perfect play ball by Gus on that fourth down, and he rolled out right, and the guy was wide open. Like you had to try to miss him, and uh, and 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 he did. They hit that pass, and they could be good enough for a tie, and maybe score a two point conversion. My takeaway from for me from from Georgia was like, okay, LSU can't stop anyone, right? We saw that again against Ole Miss. Their defense is 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 flawed. You know, are we setting up for maybe Georgia to to roll into Atlanta, beat LSU, and that's how we get our two SEC teams? That'll be the one of the biggest plot lines of championship weekend for sure, provided, you know, neither of them have some sort of, you know, disaster between now and then. But I, you know, I think Georgia, their defense is outstanding. Second in the nation in scoring defense uh, behind only Ohio State. They're in the top five in all the, you know, important defensive categories. Their offense, they're just so dang conservative, man. I mean, I, Jake Fromm throws this phenomenal 50-yard pass on play-action downfield touchdown early in the game. That's like, They just don't throw downfield. Maybe that's partly Jake trying to be careful. I don't know. But, man, they are, if, if they would let him cut it loose a little more, I think that that offense would look a lot better. With DeAndre Swift in a great offensive line, I think they should be a little more explosive than they are. But so it just – which. It, it will. Be, I tell you this: the the SEC championship game should be a great matchup of Georgia's defense and LSU's offense. That'll be a lot of fun. Do you feel like Pat Kirby promoted Coley to OC almost to make sure they don't get too aggressive? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like he's yeah. essentially keeping him in in check to make sure they don't. It's it's almost like early Saban a little bit, like right. so obsessed with defense mm-hmm. that you can't let really talented offensive players, you know, come into their own or let the scheme evolve around the around the talent because you need to keep these like you know nineteen eighty seven football tenants of run the ball and you know smash mouth and and all that stuff because like Jake Fromm's a pretty remarkable player. I know. know. I see. Yeah, I think that's the way. I think that's the way Kirby wants his team to play. I think he yeah. he's from the old school Saban tree. The you know the the pre Lane Kiffin open it up and go crazy tree. And uh, I think that's that's the his preferred method. All right. Speaking of that LSU D, this is uh, this is uh, from Sully, Ole Miss QB John Reese Plumley. I love a good three name Southern quarterback. <laughs> Guys are always legends. I feel like in the hospital, the parents say, you know, if we give him three names, he's got like a 75% better chance to be an SEC quarterback. <laughs> it was like Colt McCoy. 
Like he was either going to be our country music singer, <laughs> yeah, or the Texas, or a QB. Texas quarterback. Like, yeah. like pretty much done. You got that one done. Check box checks. Yeah, first QB to rush for at least two hundred yards against the AP number one team since Vince Young in the two thousand six Rose Bowl. There's a stat. That's from Jason Starrett, not from Sully. Sully sent me Jason Correct. Starrett's t- okay. uh, tweet. I don't want to be like uh, Darren Rovell and just steal tweets. And then do it. Hat tip. Hat tip. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hat, t- <laughs> Hat tip to the guy that did all the work. I, right. Uh, sorry, Jason. So there you go. Big props at Jason Starrett. John Reese Plumley and his wheels are from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yeah. Of Gotta course be. they are. Gotta be. Well, he 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 did all right. Yeah, it's yeah. uh it's, it's it's problematic for that LSUD. Final thing on the SEC right now, Gus is not gonna pull off the miracle here. He's gonna end up with three to four losses. Do you, if you're him, do you just sit there and take the Arkansas dough right now? Do you leave? Do you stay because you got the great quarterback and things rolling? Cause what you could beat Saban and walk out the conquering hero, or do you start the negotiations and just say you know, win or lose, I'm 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 going back to Arkansas. I don't know, man. I think it is 100% your tolerance for like a massive three year rebuild because Arkansas is god awful. And so, if you're going to take that job, you you got to just eat sand for two or three years for sure, and then hope you get better. Now, maybe yes, maybe it would be nice if you're Gus to hear some hosannas and Ooh, some pig. applause instead of people, you know, saying they're tired of you. But uh, I, I would not leave Auburn for Arkansas if it were me. He's eating sand right now, man. It's tough for that division. I know. I know. But it's it's better to eat sand and be 8-4 and four than to eat yeah. sand and be 4-8 and eight or 2-10 and 10 or whatever you would be. Uh, all right. Magic ran out for Baylor Bears and the Minnesota Gophers. I'm particularly upset with the Gophers because it cost me a, a, a win or at least huh. a push in the race for the case. Missed field goal at the mix extra point at the end. Plus, row the boat, decided to row the boat on fourth and four in the third quarter when he could have kicked a field goal and got it within three yeah. and then ran out in the field. What was going on? What was going on with your boy, PJ? You know, he was he was a little wound up. I don't blame him for the for not kicking that field goal because their, their kicker was hurt. That's why they got this freshman kick backup kicker who can't yeah. kick. And that's, you know, yeah. I mean, he was bad. How about that one at the end of the half that doinked in like that? that yeah, that right. was like, oh. I can make a 19 yard field goal better than that. You know, yeah, like, a 19 yard field goal that wasn't even from that bad an angle, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, Tyler Johnson drops that slant. PJ loses his mind and runs 30 yards onto the field and gets a flag. You know, it's, at first I thought that flag cost him the drive, but there was a, it was a dead ball personal foul that he was reacting to. Right, right. They hit Johnson after he dropped the pass, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll give Minnesota credit for resiliency. They they looked like they were their little rowboat was going to get just run out of the stadium, but <laughs> they uh, they 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 rallied. They made a heck of a game of it. They had a chance. They're just you know they're they're good. They're 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 just not good enough. We'll see if they're good enough to win the West. That's going to be the big question come two weeks against Wisconsin. Have you ever, Patterdan, seen a coach run into a midfield of the goal line scrum? like flecked it on Saturday. Like when, like that bent my mind. Cause I was like, I've yeah. never seen a coach on that position of the field before. Yeah. I don't think so. Unless I like, if he's trying to break up a melee, melee yeah. but that was not the case I mean, here. Even then, like, like we had miles Garrett, us like <laughs> assaulting yeah. people the other night in the NFL. And it's like, you know, Freddie kitchens yeah. wanders Freddie. out like five minutes later, like, <laughs> all right, back it up guys. All right, like 
<laughs> there wasn't even a fight going on. No. Yeah, just, yeah I don't was, know what he was doing. Well, he came out with something, too, later that sounded, I mean, if this was really what he was thinking, okay. But he's like, you know, was I was it? there for Eric Legrand when he was at Rutgers and stuff. And, like, I, there was no chance anybody was getting paralyzed on that play. I, you know, I just, I, I thought that was a really kind of big reach for why he was yeah. justifying being out there. I don't know. Well, it's, it prevented Pat from having a 5-0-1 week. That, that It did. And the are we going to talk about the UMass push? This is the biggest <laughs> outrage in gambling history. It the is. The biggest outrage ever. Did you try to send Wetzel to the collection window like you did to me at Churchill Downs <laughs> that time to, to launch a protest? I am, I am absolutely <laughs> disgusted with my alma mater's football program. You should I, be. I have been more apathetic. I have never been disgusted before. I've never been upset with them. Never once. Literally never cared. Our, our faithful listeners should follow Pat's career as he holds a grudge against Walt Bell for his end-of-game management this down and cost him an, undefe- an undefeated race for the case week because Pat will never forgive Walt Bell. Walt Bell could be like an NFL offensive coordinator in 2037, and Pat will be still pissed at him, which is why I love Pat. He could be the I next be. Bill Belichick. when AB takes over the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Yes. He, could win, he could lead the Broncos <laughs> to five Super Bowls, and he'd still be a little chapped about this one moment. Back yeah, in the better day. believe it. All right, you let me break it down. It. UMass was, is uh, the worst defense in the country, okay, and have one win against Akron. My, I made my daughter watch some of this because we're down the end there. It was getting, you know, I was, we're trying to see whether they're actually going to cover this. It game. was she, very exciting. She was like, this team actually beat somebody. Then she like looked them up and she's like, Akron, what? Like, just, I thought, she goes, I thought Rutgers was the worst team. And then she's like, wait, Rutgers beat UMass. How bad is Akron? She's, now she's all fascinated by this. This is how you become a fan. Anyway, UMass, worst defense. Northwestern, second worst offense. Northwestern, 11 points a game. That's all they're getting. They're scoring a game. 39 points spread out there for the race for the case. Totally crazy gambling situation. UMass is keeping, their, and I predicted they would score 7 to 10 points and then cover. And they only scored 6, okay? That's what got them. But I was like, can Northwestern score in the 50s? So UMass is a block field goal returned against them for a touchdown. But even then, they're looking good. I know a, bu- a couple of guys in Philly that put 1,000 on UMass in this game to cover. Oh, man. This was the gambling bizarre event of the year. Oh, and yeah. So now, what was it? 44 to 6? What was it? No, 45 to 6. 45 to 6. Okay. Dead Bush at that point. Dead, Dead Bush. Bush. I mean, Northwestern had like an onside kick. Did you see that? Yeah. They had a- oh, yeah. That made me think that somebody's on the take yeah. there, man. Come okay. on. Okay. They're winning. Like, they're up 30-something points, and they run an onside kick, probably because they stink so bad. They have this great onside kick that they didn't get to use the whole year. So they're like, hey, let's just use it. <laughs> so they run an onside kick on UMass. They get it to 45 to 6. UMass starts inexplicably driving at the end of the game. Like, run it. I'm like, why didn't you run that play before? We'd be winning. We'd be winning. They get the ball inside the 10. There's like 18 seconds left. All they got to do is kick the field goal. UMass covers. Balloons go off. No balloons for Pat, but everybody, <laughs> non-environmental crazies can have a balloon. <laughs> and he takes a knee and just lets it run out. Like, what do you have, pride? You're losing. You have six points. I am furious at this situation. Walt Bell. 
uh, you need to demand as a, as an influential alum who gives no money at all. You should demand his firing. Today I was going to cheat for them. And egregious. Ha- I was going to throw some money around the recruiting circles, try to help him out. No longer. <laughs> and Pete worldwide like, Wetzel, a coach yeah. should not know the point spread. The hell they shouldn't. You know, help the people back in Western Mass who bet on your team. Some of your fans put a little jingle on their pocket on Saturday night. You know, I like, guarantee it. You don't sit there no. and say, I'll just, t-. I get like, all right, we don't, we're not going to play for you. Ha- you can cover. All you have to do is kick a field goal. You can cover. That's it, the one- thing. There would, there would have been nothing like fishier, unsportsmanlike about it. You're UMass and you've had this terrible season. Why not try to score a few more points against the Big Ten team? Throw you know? two passes. You had two to three passes. You're going to throw into the end zone. That's it. They didn't even throw. They're running the ball, and then they get first and goal <laughs> and literally just walk off the field and let the clock run out. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. So here's my question. Uh, I like that we've <laughs> broken down. UMass Northwestern finished much longer than we took on Tua's career ending. Uh, we should. How, how did you find this game on your TV? It, it took me like, like a half an hour to find it. It was like on the off-brand bootleg Big Ten Network or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was like, like you know, on, on DirecTV, there's 610 is the Big Ten Network, and then 6101 is <laughs> Big Ten Network Lite, and that's where you get it. I don't know. <laughs> Big don't Ten know. bootleg. I don't know how yeah. I found it, and I feel bad for the broadcast crew. Who had to actually broadcast? Oh yeah, there were my about- guy Jay Layman, who I do I do Big Ten Network with every Tuesday. He had to do the game. I can't wait to talk to him. About and it. there was a line I can't remember who said it, but it was funny. And because they're trying to be, and, and they did a great job. But this it, is not criticism of them. But it was just funny because someone goes like, they, "Northwestern scores like their forty fifth point," and one of them goes, "Well, Northwestern's offense has really found something this week." I'm like, "Yeah, they found the UMass <laughs> defense." <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, they found a defense that's on pace to be the worst in NCAA <laughs> they history. Okay, so. they, they don't yeah. like to tackle. Like, that's yeah. – <laughs> oh, my God. Don't knock the UMass defense. This was actually this, – this game actually helps their total. It does? That they were giving yeah. up 55 a game. So, yeah. you know, I think they're feeling pretty chesty in the UMass defensive room finally here, you know. Let me see. I'll I'll tell you right now if they're if they're still on pace to uh, beat uh, UConn's record for most points allowed per game, fifty two four. Yep, they're still ahead of UConn for now. We'll see. See if they can bow up and stop. Uh, oh, BYU in their in their season mm. ender. I don't know. I got to check and see if UConn got any bonuses. I bet you. Yeah. Randy Edsel <laughs> got a bonus because UMass held a held a Big Ten team to <laughs> understand. By Berkowitz has got this. UMass got $1.2 million to go to that game. Nice job. All right. They should give it all to the betters who bet on them. All the, all the guys out there in Holyoke who put a couple bucks on the Minutemen to cover. My 4-1-1 one one week should have been 6-0. and oh. Freshman kicker misses extra point. Uh, I would, that would have been a push. 5-0-1 oh, I should have been. And then UMass shave points. Pat's defiance towards his picks has unwavered despite the fact his picks have been so bad this year. That's what I love about Pat. He's still he's still convinced he's the best picker in the world. Even this though was my results. chance. This was my big chance to really make a comeback. This was his big week, and, and Minutemen got him. Let me say this. He did is game Tap up. ahead of us still? No. Is Pat actually? Tap is leading 43-27-2. Pete is yeah. second, 41-29-2. So it's a two-game spread now. Yeah. I'm bringing Tap back to the field. I am 34-37-1, and one, and Pat is obviously 27-43-2. We coming. Tap went 1-4-1, one and, one, and one, right? Yep. So yep. not so good for Tap. All right. Well, anyway, it was an outrage. It was a complete outrage. Um, complete. All right. 
Oh yeah, Oklahoma played Baylor. <laughs> yeah. Now and getting back from other games. Points down. Now that we got the UMass Northwestern game out of the way, we can. Yeah, twenty-eight three. The dreaded twenty-eight three football lead. Yeah, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, Michigan State blew one of those to Illinois, and then most famously, the Atlanta Falcons dropped a twenty-eight three game to the Patriots. The Patriots then commemorated it by having two hundred eighty-three diamonds on their Super Bowl ring. <laughs> Uh, that year, which I thought was pretty strong. Like once a day in South Boston, I see some cheesehead walking down the street with a 28 to three shirt. 28. <laughs> yeah. Incredible game. Exciting. You could just, you could just see this avalanche coming. It's pretty flat oh, in Waco, but you could see the avalanche coming from a mile away once. Cause they really, I mean, there was the fumble at the goal lot. Jalen uh, hurts fumbles it. I mean, it could have been worse, but OU rallies 34-31. What do you make of this crushing loss for Baylor? All all credit to the Sooners, but you can't gag away a 28-3 lead and not have it on you also. So, uh, Pete, what'd you think? You you could kind of see it coming because, like, it was like, okay, it's 28-3. Oklahoma just hadn't stopped them. That was the surprising thing to me. I just thought Baylor would be able to score, you know, two touchdowns in the second half, right? Because Oklahoma's defense was just – pretty overwhelmed and hapless for for a majority of the first half and the thing about Charlie Brewer the the Baylor quarterback is that he's the most accurate quarterback in the history of Texas high school football all right and he has been phenomenally accurate you know throughout his entire college career so even on that last drive you're like all right Charlie Brewer is going to be like mistake free and pick you apart and he tried to throw two interceptions one was only completed but it was very uncharacteristic because you just would have thought that Baylor could string together some sort of competent offensive drive in the second half. And instead it was just turnovers and kind of, kind of a mess. Like Oklahoma was going to score at some point. So the the biggest surprise to me was that just Baylor couldn't muster some semblance of an offense in order to, in order to stem the inevitable. I mean, that's the thing that they, 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 they could not move the ball and then their defense just collapsed. They got, they were, they were gassed. They were extremely tired. And it was funny <clears throat> People, a lot of people seem to just use that as, as an excuse. Oh, they were gassed. Well, why? All right. You didn't play that much of the first half. I understand yeah. Baylor probably at this point of the rule rebuild doesn't have great depth on that side. But, you know, if you collapse and give up 21 points or 17 points in the fourth quarter, that's on you. That's not just, well, we were tired. I mean, don't be tired. And it's interesting, Pete. You know, I, I agreed. I, it seemed to me like the uh, Baylor offense was having its way with them. But I'm looking here at like their first drive, touchdown drive was 78 yards, then 54. Then their last two touchdown drives were 27 and nine. So the offense, uh, you know, they they capitalized on some Jalen Hurts mistakes really to um, to get some of those scores. So I'm not sure how much they did offensively really even in the second quarter. So the opportunity was there for Baylor. You're undefeated and you've got a 25-point lead on Oklahoma at home. You better finish the deal. Credit to the Jalen Hurts for overcoming his mistakes and playing a great second half. And they just uh, they got a lot of weapons. That's even without CeeDee Lamb to win that game. That was that was a good win. Is the Big 12, do they have a way to get in the playoff right now? They, obviously, these two teams are going to play again. Are they guaranteed or they're probably going to play again? I think if Baylor beats Texas, they play again. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. that's oversimplifying it because so Baylor Baylor there. wins out. Can can they can they get in or is there just not enough there because the no nah, I don't think Baylor so can get in. I mean, look at I look at how much so the committee hated them and they had a rancid out of conference schedule. Right. Terrible. Yeah. Oklahoma, not enough there. I don't know. Oklahoma would be an interesting case. Really interesting. Like they're one of the ones. Them and Alabama. I want to see where they are in the next rankings. You know, do they? Do they get a big bump for beating an undefeated team on the road without 
arguably their second best player in CD Lamb? Maybe they should. But, you know, again, they haven't beaten anybody good. You know, I mean, Oklahoma's schedule, they beat. Yeah, that's the problem with the Big 12. There's several pretty good teams. There's only theoretically one very good team, and that's Oklahoma itself. So I don't think their resume is that great. I just looked at the Big 12 standings. Texas is Texas has three losses, as does Iowa State and Oklahoma State. So Baylor finishes Texas home at Kansas. So basically, if Baylor beats Kansas, they're going to go to the Big 12 title game. That's the simplest way to do it. Um, yeah. Or if they beat Texas, they'll go to the Big 12 title game because they can't. They can only finish with three losses if they lose. Uh, if they lose both those games, so Baylor is in the driver's seat to go to Jerry World, which is just a like remarkable, miraculous Tremendous place for that program yeah. to be, considering where yeah. it was uh, two years ago. One of the enduring lessons of this week is to never let uh, Pat or I write about you, because Pat and I both <laughs> wrote about PJ Fleck this week, and I wrote yeah. about Matt Rule, and. Yeah, they both promptly responded in their in their big moments by uh, flattering performances. But that said, like those guys have had remarkable, you know, you don't say unprecedented for Baylor because they've won the Big 12 in the Bryles years. But just what they've done in the amount of time they've done it and the trajectory the program is on at Baylor is just wild to where it was last time. So as for the case for Oklahoma, wouldn't it be ironic if Oklahoma having Jalen Hurts wins them an argument for the number four spot over Alabama without Tua? That would oh, be man. some sort of cosmic irony floating around all that. They've got four players out for the season on defense with ACLs at this point. They're banged up. They're thin. And they're bad on defense. Like, Alex Grinch gave that unit a, ju- a little bit of juice early on. But right about now, they're they're about what we thought they were. What they are, where they have improved, is their ability to force turnovers. And that that aggression... And ability force turnovers allowed them back in the uh, back in the game on Saturday. So props to them for that. But there's still there's still a long way to go before Oklahoma is a college football national championship level defense as opposed to a Big Twelve championship level. Defense. All right, animal uprising news. Okay, bring All right, it. enough football. Thamel, shut up. Yeah. No, it was, <laughs> that was good, but I'm a little nervous about this story. Uh, Hurricane, Hurricane Dorian, we recall that September sixth, Hurricane mm-hmm. Dorian, yep. cat cat one. You know, I got to talk like the Weather Channel. Cat one. <laughs> anyway, a lot of rain, big big storm surge over the Outer Banks. Took out some uh, horses and cattle. Just swept them out to sea. Presumed loss until just the other day. Three cows were found from this pack of cows and horses that have been supposedly drowned out on an island. They had swam. These three cows swam two miles to safety and we're now living on an island alone this is sort of like the animal <laughs> edition of gilligan's island i think it's like <laughs> what was the tom uh, hanks movie with the volleyball what um these guys were yeah. oh, they were happy they were eating and i mean they're fine <laughs> yeah, you know. less likely to become a cheeseburger out on this remote island <laughs> <laughs> they should have stayed yeah, their little little chap that they got <laughs> discovered, the cow's caretaker, is named Woody Hancock. Of course of he course. is. Yeah. You meet a guy named Woody Hancock, and he owns a cow. I think you feel pretty <laughs> one-to-one ratio of anyone. Uh, anyway, Pat, you're our nautical uh, swimming, swim-swam yeah. uh, expert. <laughs> Right. Uh, two mile swim. Are you nervous that cows are now capable of swimming two miles in the middle of a freaking hurricane? Which maybe not terrified. even we would, we would not even want Brooke to attempt this. No, I'm terrified. I think this is a very <laughs> bad sign for the humans. Again, that now if the cows have become 
you know, nautical, if they've, if they've become more than just a land-based animal, we got an issue. We got a problem. They, they, like you said, they can get away from us if we try to make them food. And so, you know, if they all of a sudden take off and start their own commune or whatever out there on a, on a barrier island in the, the, the Outer Banks, we, we, then we got to invade the Outer Banks and take them back. So I think this is a major development, and I'm, I am concerned about uh, our long-term viability if we got no cows. If the cows all swim away from us, we got issues. Should Swim Swam be covering this more, Pat? <laughs> well, actually, really, the damn New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal should be covering this because this is important for our nation. Yeah, there's not so, a, there's not a lot else going on in our nation right now. They really not. need to they really need to shift the focus from the impeachment hearings and the Ukraine right. to like yeah, mm-hmm. swimming cows. Correct, but yeah, all right, swim, swim. I'll I'll get them on it too. We'll get we'll, you know we'll broad base our coverage. All right, I'm scared <laughs> of swimming cows, but I'm more scared of this. Okay, a bunch of feral hogs in Italy. And I believe earlier this year we wanted to do was a, a bit about shooting the feral hogs by helicopter. Right? Yeah, yeah, you wanted to do it. Right? I did want to do it. My cousin Richie and I were going to do it, but we didn't. Yeah, you get up on a helicopter and shoot a machine gun at the hogs <laughs> and try to get them. And I've watched many hours of YouTube on this. And it, the, <laughs> the guys on YouTube are unbelievable shots. I would have just splashed. <sighs> bullets all over the field and the the feral hogs probably would have laughed at me but maybe i would have grazed grazing blow on one of them but whatever these hogs are real problems in italy there is a big problem in italy and uh what happened was there was a a gang of uh, drug dealers who stashed 4.4 pounds of cocaine uh worth about uh 22 grand in the woods and these hogs went to, uh, found it, dug it up, and scattered it, and destroyed their loot, <laughs> according to Il Terreno uh, newspaper. An unknown they number of boars. They do a great boars. job on the feral hog beat at Il Terreno. Uh, yeah, they do. Unknown number of <laughs> boars allegedly <laughs> dug up and destroyed the gang's packages, dispersing. This is a great line. It was not immediately known what happened to the curious animals. I, they got <laughs> they, they got, died of cocaine overdose. They, they lost a lot of weight. They started looking like a supermodel. <laughs> <laughs> they started wearing skinny jeans, bloodshot eyes. <laughs> they were late for work. They're always lying yeah, to their wife. I mean, twitchy. <laughs> Did you see the end of Goodfellas, man? I think I know what happened to these boars. What a great time. <laughs> uh, I. Pat, you may be more nervous about people swimming and swimming things. I'm more nervous about the drug supply and alcohol. Like, <laughs> if they're moving in on our recreational hobbies here, well, we now have yeah, we have we have a, a cocaine dependency amongst the feral hog population. So there, that is a concern. Here's here. a stat in the same story: there are currently six million feral hogs spanning at least 35 states in America. We got a few of those over here. See, get up wow. on that chopper and shoot them. <laughs> We got invasive carp in the rivers and we got invasive feral hogs and we got we got a lot of issues in this nation of ours. And apparently in Italy too. Yeah. All right. Let's do small sample Heisman. Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? We like to give out the Heisman every week because why wait to the end? So this is our small sample Heisman. Pete Thamel, 
Oh, I'm ready. He's ready. I'm ready for my small sample Heisman. Often, often, often Pete acts like this is a new bit that doesn't come up every week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, are we still doing that? Oh, small sample Heisman. (laughs) Yes. Small sample Heisman. So I only saw half of USC Cal on Saturday because it started at 11 p.m., which is even ridiculous for someone who loves college football as much as me. Uh, But I'm going to give my small sample Heisman to Keaton Slovis, who had 406 yards passing, four touchdowns, and torched what's a very good Cal defense. Slovis just kind of ran shop on the, on the Bears. Yeah, to go to Cal and to win 41-17. Half the reason I'm doing this is because none of our listeners probably were still awake when this game ended. So Slovis, uh, Slovis did his thing, and the uh, Trojans rolled up in Berkeley. I'm doing mine with the guy that is probably going to end his career without a Heisman, but I think deserved a Heisman, and that's Tua Tonga-Vailoa. His injury, he's not going to win it this year. He narrowly and controversially did not win it last year. It was just another, it was a classic to a game until he got hurt. 14 of 18 for 256 yards and two touchdowns. Pass efficiency rating of 234. He's been brilliant every time we've seen him basically in his career. I've enjoyed covering him. And if he can't get the real Heisman, he can get my small sample Heisman for this week. All right, I'm going to give it to Shea Patterson, quarterback, the University of Michigan, much maligned. Played tremendous on Saturday, 24 of 33, 384 yards, four touchdowns, set the all-time record for most passing yards by a Michigan quarterback against rival Michigan State, threw the nine different receivers, ran a bunch of plays, completely humiliated the Spartans, who should still make the quick lane bowl. And he may be the he may be the final nail in the Mark D'Antonio coffin. We don't know. Shea Patterson's taken a lot of crap through the years. Much of it because he didn't play that well, but I mean, we're only Funny giving him, it's a small sample highs. It's not a lifetime achievement award here. I'm not going <laughs> to. He did good on Saturday. Good job, Shea Patterson. Uh, and let me say this. If you're a Michigan quarterback and you beat Notre Dame, you, you stop Notre Dame in Michigan State in one year, you're doing pretty well. Still got one big one to go. Still got one big one, but he's playing a lot better, so we will see. All right, we've said some mean things on this uh, podcast. Pat Forty, can you say something nice about somebody? Well, kind of. I want to say something nice about Michigan State because they were very safety conscious when they got off the bus in Ann Arbor. They had their helmets on, so they were, you know, they were they were going to make sure they didn't slip, fall, hurt their heads on their way into the stadium. You know, one to look prepared, business trip, all that. I don't know what they were doing wearing their helmets coming off the bus. They looked silly, and then they went out and laid another egg. Michigan State has not won a game since September. They have lost by 24, 38, 21, 3, when they were leading, but 28 to 3, and 34 points. That program has collapsed, and they need to change coaches. I don't know whether they will, but they need to. So, But they did look awfully sharp coming off the bus with their helmets on. How's that for something nice? (laughs) Kill them with kindness, Pat. I am going to say something nice about the Utah Utes, who have just quietly kicked the tar out of a majority of the Pac-12 this year and put themselves in a really solid position to make the college football playoff. They beat the upstart, Dan's upstart, UCLA Bruins, 49-3 to on Saturday night. And here are the Utes rolling at 9-1. and They're in first place in the Pac-12 South. They are a balanced team with Tyler Huntley, and Zach Moss is a beast at tailback. They have one loss at USC on that Friday night. Moss didn't play in the second half because of injury in that game. And I really think, like, Oregon is automatically included in a lot of playoff conversations, and Utah isn't. 
And I feel like now that Oregon-Utah game could potentially be viewed as a playoff inclusion game for if they're both one-loss Pac-12 title teams. And imagine that, the Pac-12 title game actually meaning something. This is crazy. Yeah, could happen. Go Utes. Kyle Whittingham, the most underrated coach in college football this year and every year. Utah was so good. I was going to say something nice about him also because that was a just a devastating performance. I was I, I was ready to watch the the new look Bruins, and I got the old look Bruins. So not so good. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I don't know what's going to happen to them, but um, I don't know if Utah makes the playoff. I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't favor them in the playoff, but I wouldn't want to play them. And that is like old school. Yeah. Especially if you end up with, say, it's LSU, Ohio State, Georgia, or something, or, or Clemson, you know, any those three of those four, they all kind of play one way. Here comes Utah. It's like a, it's just a different, little different style. So pretty good stuff. I'm going to say something nice about people who didn't fall for preseason hype. I'll do that, which is a way of okay. being very mean to a bunch of just absolute pretenders. Texas Longhorns, I'm looking at you. Yeah. Oh, they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Don't yeah. do not fall for the whoever wins the non playoff games next year. They lost 23-21 to Utah, Iowa State. They're six and four. They've done nothing. Nebraska, Nebraska's back. Yeah, they're four and six. Wisconsin wiped them around in that. And that he gave them a contract extension. Got a contract extension. Yeah. Well, what else are you going to do? At this point, you're, you're, you got to. You got to keep saying you're believing. Progress is being made. I mean, they should win five games, I guess. With Michigan State. Oh, this defense. It's, oh, everything's going to be. No, they're four and six. Washington Huskies. Forget it. Six and four. Uh, they're not doing anything. A lot of hype about these teams. You all disappointed me. So I'm not saying anything nice about any of you. I'm saying something nice about the people who never believed in you. Good job. <laughs> There you go. You and I both went back door nice. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Only one. So I like us to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're kind of patting yourself on the back because all three of you guys didn't like Nebraska coming into the season. Yeah, we did. I, none of us That's believe true. on that Nebraska. Thing. We'll definitely always say something nice about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We will uh, see you on Wednesday. Please keep spreading the word. Share us on social media and uh, leave us nice reviews. We will talk to you all Wednesday for the next edition of the Yahoo Sports college podcast thank you look around you can find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader